0: Well, now we're going to kind of pick up where we left off, but it's not going to be exactly. We're going to come back to this concept that I introduced last week. But today's going to be a little bit different. Let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I know we read this every week, but it's important. Repetition is key. Because what I'm hoping is we begin to see something. When you read something enough, say it enough, it begins to stick in your mind. If you hear an ad long enough... Right You can't forget it. it. no matter what you try by men right? Some of the older folk, come on now. right? We all know it's there. You hear that little tune. there. you have to say the words, you know what it is. right? It gets in your head. And so what we need to do is begin to realize that there is something powerful about Paul's words here, that if you are in Christ, and all of us in here, I would assume, would claim that we are, then we are a new creation created by whom? Christ, by the work that we just talked about through his blood and us receiving that free gift. So therefore, because of that, all of the old things, that old man, that old you, and all of that stuff connected there has passed away. What does passed away mean? It's gone. It's dead. There's no life in it. Quit trying to Frankenstein that sucker and bring it back to life. Let it go. Let it go. I'm not going there. Yeah, y'all know where that was going, right? I can't help it. I've got kids. It says, Behold, all things have become new. We like new things, right? Do we like old junky cars or do we like new shiny cars? What don't we like? Car payments. We don't like those. You see, God has transformed us into his image. It is time for us to start acting like it. So perhaps if we continue to read this, we will continue to grow in this and we'll get it through our thick skulls that, wait a minute, who I was is not who I am. I am who he says I am. Does that sound familiar? I think we said that once or twice today, right? Romans chapter 8 verse 6, it says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't know about you, I like life, I like peace. Not a big fan of death. And he says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. I don't like that either. When you're enmity against God, you know what happens? You lose. For it, that being the mind, is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And we say in the flesh, what do we think? We think not saved. That's not necessarily what he's talking about because who is he speaking to? Who is he writing to? The church in Rome. To be carnally minded is to be not spiritually minded. To be carnally minded is to think carnally, not biblically, not spiritually. It means that if you are thinking carnally, then you are in the flesh. Your flesh cannot please God it is impossible if it was possible then Jesus would not have had to die I was having this discussion with the college student just this week because one of the Roman Catholic beliefs is that Mary was without sin and he was saying do you believe that she was sinless while she was pregnant with Jesus and I'm like why would I believe that he's like well I don't know it just makes sense I'm like it doesn't make sense We're putting our metrics on this. It says that, number one, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Last time I checked, Mary was in the all. But secondly, the moment that she gave birth, what did she do? She went and made a sacrifice following the law because she was considered unclean. You can think of unclean and sin similar. You're outside of fellowship until atonement is made. I don't know what more we need to to look at there. But he began to put a spin on it, he was thinking logically, if Jesus is perfect, then the vessel of which Jesus came through must be perfect. That's not true. In fact, if you look at the lineage of Jesus, you'd see that's not true. And you know who the lineage is post-Jesus? It's all of us. And what do we prove? That's not true. We ain't perfect either. So we've got to be spiritually minded. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to just jump down to verse 3. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in God, and they are used for pulling down stronghold. They cast down arguments. They, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is the will of God. We do not war in flesh. This is why I'm hammered on some of these different topics. Because it's very easy to get caught up in the flesh, in the body of Christ today. Because in the flesh, we can feel. It's kind of like you want to go to a church service, and it's like, man, when you feel the presence of God, it's powerful. But do you realize that whether you feel it or not, the presence of God is with you? I've told this story before, but I'll give this. There's a guy that's running John G. Lake Ministries, okay? And he was giving this as an example. Now, they are seeing incredible healing testimonies through their ministries. Great guy. And uh, he was talking about, he was teaching this class. And um, I don't know if it was an Advil or something like that, but he'd been teaching and teaching and teaching. His voice was getting a little hoarse. And somebody said, if you take, I'm saying Advil, don't quote me on that. I don't know what it was. He said, if you take an Advil, then... It helps coat your throat or something. It did something for it. He's like, oh, okay. And uh, so he got in there. He took it about 20 minutes before class start. He walks into class, and all of a sudden, he could feel the power of God in his flesh. And he's like, we've got to pray for people. He began to pray for people, and they got healed. Powerful, right? And so the next day or the next week or however often these classes were, he did it again. He took that pill about 20 minutes before class. He went in there, felt the power of God. He's like, i got to pray for people began to pray for people, and they were getting healed. It's incredible. But the next time, he didn't. He didn't take the pill. He didn't feel nothing. But somebody there was sick. They said, well, we're going to pray for people. And he began to pray for people. And they all got healed. But he felt nothing. You know what the feelings were? It's a side effect from the pill. I'm saying Advil. I don't remember what it was. But it was something... Well, we just wouldn't even consider that exciting. And the Lord told him that. He's like, I don't care what you feel. The power and authority is always there. He began to act in the flesh. Is it easier to move when you feel something? Absolutely. It's where the discipline comes in when you don't. So how does the enemy attack us? He attacks us through our minds. Ephesians 6, verse 11, it says, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It always starts there. As I've shown you and I've told you, it always starts, the enemy comes in, he attacks you in your mind. He begins to make you think different things. He puts ideas into your mind. And I'll share more on this. It might be next week, I'm not promising, but there's some things that the Lord has shown me in recent time, in the last couple of years, and even within the last couple of weeks, that has happened To where the enemy has sat on the shoulder of people, spoken into their ear. And you can, it's like you can see, it's like that green thing in the cartoons, you know. Like the poison going in there. They have an option in that moment. If he doesn't get through it first, he'll try and try and try again. Who's supposed to deal with the enemy? We are. To the point that that poison gets into their mind. Then... It was like his hand was moving their mouth. They became their puppet. And poison began to come out of their mouth. I'll get into more of that later. Just understand this. Is that it always starts there. When you think about how the enemy attacks, we always think big, broad. He cannot attack the church without getting through to somebody. Churches are destroyed from the inside out. Not from the outside in. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You resist him. You stay steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Your adversary, the enemy, he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who's going to let him in? Many of us have. Some of us right now. We don't even realize it. Because the problem we have is an arrogance in the body of Christ. We've lost all humility to think, I've got this all figured out. I know it all. I don't need no pastor, no preacher, no event. Evangel- I don't need anybody like that telling me what to do. And even if the scripture says I'm wrong, my experience says I'm right. Some of you guys are like, looking at me like, nah, who does that? I'm telling you folks, it happens all the time. I wish it was an outlier. It is not. But then we get to Matthew chapter 28. In verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority has been given to me. And what does he say? Because of that, you go. Where's that authority? It's with his body. We are his body. He is the head, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2. We are His body. We are seated at the right hand of the Father. All authority has been given to us, so we are to go and we are to make disciples and we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to uh, obey all things that Jesus commanded. And guess what? He's with us always. He's always there. Why? The head and the body do not operate succinctly. They are together. They are one and so it is time for us to start acting like that. And with that, and this is where we're going today, you need to understand something. You heard me say earlier about callings, the fivefold, what we call the five-fold ministry. Okay? That does not make those people more important in the body of Christ. They have a different job in the body of Christ, right? They are not necessarily more gifted, more anointed. They tend to be more disciplined, but not always. And I could tell you a multiple of stories with that. But they have a responsibility that was given to them by God. No different than Mary. You'd think Mary was going around and was like, I hope I'm the virgin that gets to give birth to the Messiah. Probably not. But she was chosen. Is she special for it? In a sense, she was chosen. But she's not more saved than you and I. She was never more anointed or gifted than you and I. There's no distinction there. She had a different calling. We see... In the scripture that the 12 apostles had a very distinct calling. But then we see the people that followed after them have the same power, the same authority, the same miracles, the same message. Different calling. Does it matter? But there are gifts that are given. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Dumb means not speaking, not stupid, although you could argue for that. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say to Jesus that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, uh, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. As you may have guessed, we're going to talk a little bit about the discerning of spirits. The, the gift of the discerning of spirits and using discernment are not one and the same. The gift of the discerning of spirits is the ability to, in situations to recognize and sometimes even visually see the spirit behind what is going on in the moment. Now, I know that sounds scary to some, but it shouldn't be. Okay? It shouldn't in any way be scary. If you were attacked by a horde of kindergartners who were coming to physically attack you, how scared would you be? Not very. That's because you're a stud, right? Well. <laughs> you know, but I mean, think about that. If somebody brought a box full of kittens, said they're going to eat your flesh. They are cats. Box full of puppies. I mean, think about that. It shouldn't be scary because they cannot hurt you, they cannot touch you unless you allow it. They cannot impact your life in any way. Because as a believer, I'm not even talking the spirit-filled aspect of this. We will get to that. But as a believer, you have authority over these things. So while it seems scary, it's really not. You might be a little surprised, but it's really not scary. And here's why. When we see in Scripture how these things were handled, immediately, authority was taken over them. Immediately, transformation took place. You may be thinking, well, yeah, these are the dudes in the Bible. These were dudes that were just doing life. Before that, All we have are stories written down that, uh, that were captured by writers, writing down what they saw and what they heard. There was way more than what took place and what's in the scriptures. And throughout history, you've seen this. So when we talk about discerning of spirits, there's two ways to look at this. The first and most simplest form, It's discernment in situations where there is a spirit behind what is going on. This may be uh, somebody being influenced. This may be somebody being possessed. Okay, That's a word that that's not how Scripture talks about it. It talks about them being demonized. There's a differentiation there. This can be believer or non-believer. But it's also the ability to sometimes see into the spiritual world and see what's going on. And there are Scriptures that back that up. We're not going to spend a ton of time teaching on that. We're going to share some experience that Neil has had, and I'm going to share along with him on some of this stuff. But I want to give you one example of this in Acts chapter 16. Okay, Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Now, we're talking about Paul here. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Now, here's the thing. You have to understand something. Luke is writing down what is going on. In this moment... The likelihood of Luke or anybody else that was there recognizing that this girl was possessed with a spirit is slim, at least in the moment, and here's why. It says, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation, and this she did for many days. Now, here's the thing. If that's her message, what's so nefarious about it? The answer is nothing. It's 100% accurate. And for the average person, not either operating in this gift or not having some discernment to speak of, if you were out there and somebody was following you around and you're out ministering the gospel and those are the words they're saying, are you immediately going to think, that chick's demon-possessed? No. Why? Her head's not spinning. Foam's not coming out of her mouth. Those are things we think of. Those make really good movies, but aren't necessarily reality. But Paul, we'll continue on verse 18, greatly annoyed. This proves that it is okay to get annoyed. Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace uh, to the authorities now what did he do again if we're just wandering through and you hear that message being preached would you be on board with her probably because the message was a hundred percent true it wasn't in any way at, at uh, keeping the gospel from being presented but paul had discernment and recognized what was going on and what did he do he took authority over it. he put up with it for a while but then he got annoyed you're going to get annoyed let it be at the enemy so you guys, this is an example. Did he see the Spirit? doesn't say that he did, but he recognized it. This is it. There's a couple different ways discernment happens. You'll feel it, sense it, you just know, okay? And there are times you can see it. So I'm going to ask Neil to come up. Neil's got quite a story. Some wild rides he's gone on in the last few years. And so I've asked Neil to kind of share. Oh, he's got one, thank you. Um kind of share some of what's going on, and I may jump in and ask questions as we go. So, Neil,
1: go right ahead. Please do. Um, so, I was going to start us off by uh, kind of going back to where this kind of started at, and I believe it was one of your Equip series uh, sermons that you gave about equipping us with the power of uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of the things I was going to talk about was read to you, was out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11, but one thing I wanted to, I, so I read through a lot of stuff, and I, I read through this again And I've forgotten about this verse, and I wanted to touch on that. But uh, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to us so that we may help each other. This gift isn't for us. This is for, the gift I was given was not for me. The gift that uh, Chris has given is not for Chris. The gift that the Holy Spirit gives us is for all of us. I forgot about that verse. And you talked about it. I remember you talking about it when I read through this. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. So think of these gifts as not just your gift, but your gift to the, to the, to the church. Um, but going back to that message that Chris talked about, um, he, it was we'll pour, pour towards the, the, the start of it. But anyway, Chris said, to receive the, the gift that Christ wants or God wants for you, all you need to do is ask him. Go into prayer and ask him. And so I did. So I went into that into prayer. Chris was up here talking yet. And uh, I may have missed what he was saying, some of the stuff. But uh, I was in prayer with God. And I asked him to give me a gift. Nothing particular, just a gift. Um, I had nothing in mind. And uh, just whatever gift you want, you you think I can use the best towards the help of the community, give me that gift. Um, so I asked for God, one of God's gifts. And at the end of my prayer, I opened my eyes, looked up, and I saw something weird, look st- just sitting right in front of me. The next row up, right above me, is right over here. Um, Present company excluded. Yeah, it, I'm not pointing at you. <laughs> <where> it was. <laughs> it was not you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so anyway, I looked at something. And it was weird. I, it, I couldn't figure out what it was I was looking at. It was like somebody with a big floppy hat on or something like that. Not really floppy hat, but a big goofy looking hat, you know. And I'm like, what am I looking at? What is this? Or a real bad hairdo or something. I, I don't know. I'm, st- I'm still looking at you. Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, again, it was in that general area. <laughs> uh, couldn't figure out what it was I was looking at. And then, all of a sudden, the head turned and looked at me. I'm like, but the head of the person didn't move. How weird is that, to see a head per- turn and move at you, but another head stays put? I was kind of, um, what i just see. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's where it kind of started started with prayer. Um, but anyway, it just it really took me back to figure out what it was I was looking at. And I still wasn't sure what I was looking at, but I was looking at a face. I, I knew that much. Um, but um, I kind of watched that, that face, and I could see a little more of it than just the face after a little bit. But uh, I just saw it do weird things. Um, but I've seen these things in other people, other than that person who was sitting over here in this in the church here. That person was not here today, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I started seeing them in other people. Uh, not everyone, just one here, one there. Uh, sometimes i would go a month, I maybe mean, a couple months before I would see one per between uh, viewings. But uh, I got to tell you what I've seen. I've seen a. Distinctly two different types. I'm going to call them demons because that's what I believe they are. But I've seen two distinct types of demons, and one of them, if everybody's seen Star 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 Wars, Jabba the Hut, you know everybody knows what Jabba the Hut looks like, right? This one I'm going to call a skinny Jabba the Hut. I mean, that wide, but kind of the face what Jabba would would look like if he were skinny. Um, that's what I would kind of call him. Um, and just look. look Kind of a greenish face greenish body type of thing and just just hanging out wanting to live wanting to do stuff um makes the person that's in do certain things flop his arms around say weird things do st- weird things at weird times that's what i see those things do um and another one this one's scary so whenever i've seen this one um it's got a painted face i call it a painted face demon Red and white, I red and yellow on each side of their face, and a white forehead, and they got horns coming out the side of the head big big horns out the by their ears would be and go out and come down to a point down, and they point down. Don't, don't point up like you see in the the demon pictures or the, the devil pictures, but they point down. every one of them looks the same. I don't think they're the same demon, but that's the way the 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 two of them look that I've seen. Um, but the the painted face demon. They really try to get out there and instigate things. Um, they really try to, to cause interruptions. They're actively talking, uh, active causing the person to talk to other people, other groups. Um, they're very active. Um, the skinny job of the hut I call, they just kind of laid back, do whatever they want to do, just chilling out. Um, so the job of the hut looking guy uh, that I've seen, I've seen it about eight people. Uh, Most of them were sick or handicapped or crippled, just just hanging out. Um, What I've seen, uh, whenever I see that type of uh, demon, I see them in that type of a person. But the painted face creature is very, very active. Um, It's very, very difficult for me to actually see the person that they're in. I got to really concentrate to see their face. Um, Most of the time I can't even see their body, I just see the demon. but I really got to concentrate to see the person that they are in. Um, And I've seen about 15 of these, and they're pretty scary to see. Um, But uh, each time I've seen one of these, they see me, and they know that I see them. And they hightail it out of there, out of that building, out of that room, in a hurry. Um, Just a deliberate hurry to get away from me. Um, so a couple of stories I wrote down here to kind of keep me uh, uh, on track here. I wrote some stuff down, but um, one of the demons I saw, those painted face demons, was in Norfolk. I was at a convention center, uh, going through some stuff, and uh, was added to a small group to kind of try to fix one of the things in our small group or in our big group. Our small group was trying to fix something in the big group, uh, so uh, we pulled out or went off to the side of the corner of the convention area, and it was just too noisy, so. Um, it's in the, the, I think it's called the Divots, um, conf, um Conference Center. It's a big hotel type of thing, but anyway, up in Norfolk. Um, uh, anyway, they got a restaurant that's attached to the, to the place. And so we went into the restaurant, grabbed a couple of Cokes and water or whatever we wanted to drink, and just, it was not too many people in there. And the corner we were in, there was nobody around us. So we walked in there just to kind of talk. And after about 10 minutes in there, I saw a demon stand up in the opposite corner of where I was. I tell you it caught my attention and uh, I couldn't take its eyes off of it because um, it was pretty obvious what it was. It stood up and it uh went to uh, the table right next to it and started talking about stuff and you know talking about this and that look like it' was maybe talk about foot they were too far away. I couldn't hear what they were saying but talk about football games or something I don't know um, then it went to the next table and then went to the next table and it went to the fourth table and Again, it was trying to instigate stuff, things between the two tables. Um, It was definitely an instigator. Um, But anyway, it got to the fourth table, it looked up and it saw me. And it looked like it was getting ready to go to the next table. It ran over got its coat. It ran out of the building. I mean, it ran out of the building. And you gotta zigzag around all these tables and stuff. That demon, it never took its eyes off me. it, it locked on me all the way through there. I don't know if the person was able to see through and go through all the tables and chairs and stuff, but it didn't hit anything, so I guess it did, but the demon never took its eyes off me. But it had to get out of there. Um, and at that time, I did see that it was in a woman. I couldn't really tell what the woman looked like, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, I could tell it was not a woman. Um, another one of these painted face demons was in the Omaha car and truck show. Took Ethan up to Omaha, Uh, a couple years ago, and uh, he wanted to see all these new cool cars out there on the road or something getting ready to come out. Um, Anyway, it was about the end of the day, and we were in the Nissan booth area and looking at all the Nissans and stuff, and Ethan was sitting in a truck, I think he was. Anyway, I was outside the truck, just, you know, are you ready to go, Ethan? Just about. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I stand out there outside the truck, Ethan was in the truck, and I looked up, and there was a demon walking towards me. There's a always to you know go through the whole area, Anyway, it was holding hands to the guy next to him, and it immediately saw me as soon as I saw it was it, um, it grabbed the arm of the guy he was holding hands with and it pushed it the other direction away from me and I could tell that this was another guy, so two guys holding hands i you fill in the blanks there, but um But anyway, it it had to get away from me quick. Um, So back in uh, June of 2019, I had a massive injury. That's another testimony I've given here. Um, But uh, during several of the conversations that I had with Leslie during my early recovery, um, she asked me one time in the early days of my recovery, did I see anything at the accident or just before the accident? Sometimes when she asked me that, and I didn't have a response or didn't say anything or didn't know what to say or whatever. But one of the days, she said I was very clear. I don't remember this day. This was probably about three weeks before I have remember anything. But um, one day I remember, that I, or well, she told me that I woke up, and she asked me that question, and I very. I was very in focus, she said. I said, I saw a demon at the bottom of a barrel and I don't remember if I told you what color it was or what it looked like but anyway I, said, I told her I saw a demon at the bottom of a barrel and that demon threw a fireball at me and that barrel exploded that's where my accident started but um, from what I told Leslie that uh, that's how the accident started was a demon threw a fireball at me laughed and then threw a fireball I forgot about you told me that yes I said it. The, the demon laughed at me and then threw a fireball um, I've not seen any of these demons since my injury. But I felt their presence. Um, so it's more of a perception that they're there. Um, and two weeks ago, Jim's out in the, the, the entrance foyer out there. Um, but anyway, Jim spoke to us a couple weeks ago about a perception of brownies. When you walk into a uh, somebody's house and they just pulled a fresh batch of brownies out of the oven, your perception is, Mm, they got brownies, hmm, worth to share. So that perception of brownies is, I've been trying to figure out how I can analyze it and tell you guys how I'm perceiving stuff, but that is a very good analogy. Thank you, Jim. Um, but when I see these things, when I've seen these things, I was feeling certain things. I was seeing, cer- seeing them do certain things. I was Get that back of a feeling on your back of your neck, you know, something's not right. I got those feelings whenever I saw these things. Now I don't see them anymore, but I still get those feelings every now and then. And I know there's something in that building, in that room, whatever a group of people outside, I know that's there. I, I can't see it, but I know it's there. And I know what's getting close. Um, but I had that perception um, uh, that they're there. It's a, um, so yeah, this is that what we call that gift of discernment. It's not a gift I would wish on anybody because it's <laughs> kind of disturbing. Um, so one other thing that I see, um, it kind of goes in line with the same thing, but um, something I see is, and I call it a cloud of darkness among a per- person. Um, if everybody looks think back to Charlie Brown, and you got that, uh, that character that was always, Pigpen I think was his name, He's always dirty, and the, the cartoon has always got cloud of dust around him, you know, that it's kind of the same thing. I see a cloud of darkness around a person, and I don't know how to describe it other than that. Again, going back, maybe Jim will give me something here in a couple of weeks, so I'm like perceive that, a uh, better way to describe that, but that's the best way I can explain that is a cloud of darkness surrounding somebody. And I've had that well before the accident, and I still have it to this day. I see those clouds of darkness. Um, but I'm not sure, but I believe those clouds of darkness um, could be a sign of oppression or tormenting spirit. They're not a possession of a spirit. I've never seen a, a, a demon inside a person when I see that cloud over them. I, it's They're not related, but kind of, sort of related. Um, But anyway, I still see that from time to time. Um, And one of the Sundays after my accident, um, Evan was still coming. He was sitting back there in the sound booth. Um, And one of the Sundays, um, I got that feeling. I smell brownies. Um, Not literally, but you know what I mean. I smell brownies. I've walked around this building. It was my weekend to sit in the hallway monitor position out there where Jim's at today, and uh, I I couldn't shake the feeling. I walked up and down the halls. I walked inside every room in this building. I walked to the, the fellowship hall, in the kitchen. I couldn't I couldn't figure out where it was coming from, um, but something in this building that Sunday was not right. Not supposed to be here, and. Uh, we were up here, I don't know, Laura, you were actually singing that Sunday. Um, but we were in the middle of worship, and I just couldn't shake the feeling. There was something here that wasn't supposed to be. So I took authority over it. I stood out in that hall, in that entrance way out there, and I said, In the name of Jesus, whatever you are, your evil spirit, your sickness, whatever it is, you're, you're here, you're not supposed to be here. I took authority over that. In the name of Jesus, get out of here opened my eyes and a shadow flew from out behind Evan's head it didn't come from Evan but it flew behind Evan's head it came out I don't know where it came from in this building but it was in the towards the back when I first saw it, it flew behind Evan's head out of the foyer area and out the door it was just a, it was quick I don't know what it was but we have authority over these things That's right remember that church we have authority over these things take authority over these things no matter if it's demon, whether it's sickness, whether it's something, whatever it is that's causing that possession, causing that affliction, whatever it is, you have authority over that. Um, so anyway, I just want to really share that with you. Um, whether it's a possession or a oppression or a tormenting spirit, you definitely have authority over it. Banish it from your home, from your family, from your work, wherever you are. If you're invited over to a friend's house, but you, it's not right, take authority over it. Get it out of there. Send it to the pit where it belongs. Um, so one last thing I'd like to share with you. It's one of the worship songs. We sang it this morning. Thank you, Laura. Goodness of God, that is a very powerful song. Um, specifically to me, that second verse, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Literally, he's led me through the fire. And in the darkest night, you are close like no other. I felt his closeness like none other I've ever felt before. I've known him as a father, I've known him as a friend. I know him more as a father and as a friend now. And I have lived in your goodness of God. So when I wasn't here spiritually on the earth, I was in spiritually someplace else. I don't know where I was, but I was in the goodness of God. I mm-hmm. saw it. Oh, it's a wonderful place, people. Oh. But anyway, God has our back. You have authority. God has your back for that Amen. authority. Amen. In your darkest hour, use it against him. Amen.
0: That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Yeah. Thank you very, very, very much. Okay, good, good, good. So why did I have Neil share this? Number one, if you haven't heard his testimony of everything that transpired, you really should. In fact, maybe we should do that again here soon because not everybody was around when this this happened. But let me share my perspective a little bit. The reason I had him share this and I have Jim share and I'll have anybody else that share is because these are people you know, okay? They're not weird. Okay, they're a little weird. Maybe a little weird. But but the thing is is like you read these stories online and if you're like me you're like yeah I don't know. Because I'll be perfectly honest with you. When we talk about authority, okay? When you think of an authoritative person, what do you think of? Somebody who is stubborn, loud, extremely vocal and won't bow to nothing. So Neil, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody who's like, "What?" Yeah, Because I'm a little opinionated, all right? Fair enough. That's fine. But yet, the authority has nothing to do with your personality. It's where you stand. Now, with everything that took place with Neil, and there is this story you got, like a small fraction of what was there, I had to go stubborn, set in his ways, and be like, what are you telling me? Because it went in the face to several beliefs that I have held. But as we should do, when we're faced with something, we should go and study the Scripture to see if which of those things are said is true. Now, had I read this story online, I would have immediately dismissed and be like, oh, some wacko out there. But I know Neil. He's not a complete wacko. (laughs) Right? Not complete. Not complete. But let me share this with you guys. During that whole thing, you know, it was during the flood, so getting to Lincoln was kind of difficult. And so, like... Jim and Alma would go, and Stan and Janet, and Paul and Sherry, and and we would go, and we would all, and I think you guys went over some too, and we, I mean, we'd have to go up and through Omaha. It was a long track to get there, and we're just spending time with them, and Leslie was keeping us updated, both the good and the bad of what was going on, and the moments of strength, and the moment of weakness, and there was one night. Now, I come in early every morning, and I spend some time in prayer and stuff as I'm getting ready to start studying and, and things like that, and then sometimes you may drive by and see my truck here late at night because I've got things that I'm doing, and it was one night, I'd been in here, and I was studying, and I just... Just couldn't leave. For whatever reason, I couldn't leave. I just needed to stay. And so I'd begin praying, and Leslie sends this text message. It was one of these moments of weakness, like she's just struggling. As you can imagine. I mean, with everything that's going on. They did not think he was going to make it. I mean, you gotta understand, if you don't know the whole story, they pretty much said that it, if he if he lives, he'll never be the same. Okay? But they didn't really think he was gonna make it. And so I had sent something back to her and I'm encouraging her, I'm giving her some scriptures, I don't remember, and as I was sitting in my office, I'm like, I'm going to take communion for them, okay? And that's not something I often do, because I'm not even sure you can take communion for somebody else, but it's like, what do we got to lose, right? They cost about a nickel apiece, we'll be okay. So I went and I got one of the elements and I come back and I sit in my office and as I was praying and I'm just, you know, all of this, I'm opening it. It was like something walked in my office and stared me down. I saw nothing, but I'm telling you what, I knew it was there. And I'm like, what is happening right now? is in the midst of all of this, everything that she's dealing with. And so, um, and then it immediately left. I'm like, that was weird. So I took communion, continued to pray, and I got up from my office, and I went into the kitchen. And so this room here offsets both of these, these things. The door on the other side was open. And I was walking into the kitchen. I was probably getting coffee or something. I don't remember. And as I'm walking in, it was like something was in this room staring at me. It was weird. Again, when you discern these, you don't know everything, but you definitely know something. Definitely smell brownies. Smelling brownies. In fact, brownies would have been wonderful at that point in time. It would have been a nice alternative. So I'm walking in there, and I'm like, and it's like, I mean, my eyes are drawn to this room. It's like something is staring at me. I go into the kitchen. I got it. Maybe I got a cup of water. I don't remember what I got. And as I'm walking back out, I'm heading back to my office, and it's like I can feel this thing staring at me. And I just turned around and said, you got to leave, and you got to leave now. And it was like, again, it wasn't like a brush by my shirt or anything like that, but it's like it was gone and out the door. It was weird, y'all. Now, this is in the moment of all of what was going on with them. I've been interceding, as many people had been, on their behalf, praying and seeking the Lord and all of this kind of stuff. And it's like, this stuff happens. Was it scary? No. Was it weird? Yes. Would I would rather have been eating brownies? Absolutely. In fact... That's my default on most things, okay? But the thing is, is like, when you talk about it, it's scary in the sense that it's unexpected. But when you recognize the authority you have, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And that's the thing we have to understand. The spiritual world is alive and active. Many of what we just assume are bad people, in a sense, or bad things that are going on, are spirit-led, not in a good way. And even in the church, this stuff takes place, as you've said that means that there have been people that have been under the influence of an evil spirit in here. Should we be surprised by that? Absolutely not. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. And you can stay, sit, I don't care what you do. You can hang out. 1 John chapter 4. It says, Beloved. So who are the beloved? It's talking to believers, right? John, um, obviously a disciple of Jesus, had seen and experienced a lot. He's writing. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and it goes on beyond that. What does it say? Don't believe every spirit. You test the spirit. That's called judging, to see if they are from God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, now the spirit, this is verse 1, expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever read the teachings of demons? Have you read the book that they wrote? That's because they don't exist. When you think of teachings of demons, are they giving classes? Where's that coming through? It's the people. What does it say? In later times... Some will depart from the faith. Guys, we're watching this happen right now. Where did that come from? They devoted themselves to deceitful, or you could say lying spirits. Remember what I said. Speaking in the ear, Eventually getting control. Coming out their mouth. And teachings of demons. And we think about that. We don't think about it right. Where does that come from? It's people. That's how we find out about it. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 23. It says that, Then if anyone says to you, so this is Jesus talking, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. False Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Why is he telling them ahead of time? So they will be prepared for it when this stuff starts happening. And guess what? This stuff has started happening. There are false signs. There are false wonders. And we do succumb to that because we are drawn to the supernatural. The problem is we have to discern the source of the supernatural. You see, all of this stuff, guys, and why I'm I'm sharing this, is not to scare you, but to prepare you. Because it's going to get worse before it gets better. And there are many people that are currently in deception right now. And they are spreading their lives. Guys, why does, why does it talk so much of Scripture against gossip? Why do you think that is? Because when you are gossiping, you are a mouthpiece of the enemy, undermining whomever or whatever you are gossiping about. You guys get that? As if people are talking against ministry A, you are undermining that ministry in the ears of the people who are listening. There's a difference between using discernment and saying, okay, these people are not preaching the true gospel versus I just don't like the way they treated me or what they said. We do the same thing with churches. Oh, that church over there does X, Y, Z, said X, Y, Z. Do you know that to be true? Most of the time not. See, that is why scripture teaches against gossip because you have allowed the enemy to speak into your ear and speak poison against somebody. We're going to have nothing to do with that. Is it easy to get caught in? Oh my goodness, Yes. We have to recognize it, and we have to stop it. And that means sometimes you have to look at somebody you care about in the eye and say, I will have nothing to do with this. It takes some time. So I've had Neil share because of the fact you guys know him. And his story is great. And he's got other examples he could have given. Some are just like wild to me, you know. Um, But we need to be prepared. This discernment of spirits is a gift. It's one of many. Do you have it? Maybe. Do you want it? Probably not. But maybe you do. doesn't matter. We should ask, ask the Lord to give us this. That's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. So church, we're going to dismiss, okay? What I'm telling you as we get into this, and we're going to talk more about this last, next week, this undisciplined thing. The idea of a disciple is crucial, is that we need to be on guard because the enemy is moving in our midst. And I mean our as in the big C church. We've got to be careful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your son. Lord, we are so grateful to all that you continue to do in our lives that you are making us new and whole and that we're walking in the reality of the promises of your word. And Lord, I thank you that every time we are obedient to the scriptures, that you are obedient to the scriptures, fulfilling what you have promised. And so, Lord, I thank you that we can walk confidently in this earth knowing that you have created possibilities for all things and that nothing will be withheld from us that you have guaranteed us. So Lord, we give you the glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, guys, if you'd stick around, we'd appreciate it, but grab a drink, get a glass of water, bathroom, whatever. Grab your kiddos from the nursery. We'll be back in here for a few minutes. Won't take very long, I promise.